presence of God for one more minute. Just open your spirit and your heart to God. He knows where you're at. Come on, He knows where you're at. Just open your spirit to God in this atmosphere right now. God, I open my heart to you in this atmosphere. I open my spirit to you in this atmosphere, God. I lay aside every weight. God, I need your peace. I need your grace. I need your love to saturate me in this place, God. Father, all the circumstances and cares that are weighing me down, Father, I lay them at your feet. Come on, one more minute. Just begin to do that. There's something already happening in this place, preparing for what God wants to do here. We'll get to the word in a minute, but you've got to prepare and position yourself to receive from him. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus, I feel his presence. I feel God beginning to touch some hearts and beginning to take some weight away that you've been carrying when you walked in the building. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of your word and by the power that is in the name of Jesus, we come against every distraction, every weight, every spirit of fear and doubt. We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ and we lay aside every weight. And we pray right now that your peace and your liberty that passes all understanding would be released in the house of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we receive and open our spirits for whatever you want to do in the building. In the name of Jesus. If you believe that, clap your hands to God. If you believe he's got something for you. I'm glad somebody over here believes God's got something for him. I believe God's got something for you. I believe that God's going to touch your body. I believe that God's going to touch your mind. I believe God's going to reach down and begin to change some circumstances. But you've got to believe by faith. When you reach out in faith, God responds. Just clap your hands one more time. The power and presence of God is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. You can be seated, but don't sit on Jesus. Praise God. Man, I'm excited this morning. I hope somebody else is excited because I believe... God is going to do something in your life. I believe he's going to do something in your family. I believe he's going to do something for your friends. If you will reach out in faith before this thing ends, I'm telling you, God will respond to you. Before I get started here, I want to give a honor first and foremost to my beautiful wife. It's so good to have her here, of course. And then I've got a very, it's a very special moment. I'll just take a second to say this. One of my lifelong best friends, his parents are in the building. So give honor to them the Converse family. I love them very much. One of my best friends growing up, they're here today. And my grandpa Glover, it's so good to see you from Kentucky. Love you. <laughs> and of course, my parents there at West, good to see you too. Isaac, thank you for those words. That really meant a lot, man. That was very moving. If you got your, your Bible, Isaac, I love you and your wife and everything you guys are doing, not just for the young adults, but for this whole church as a body. It's amazing to see what he's doing through you in the Oikos ministry and everything. And he has, been a, he has been a pillar in my life, not just as a friend, but also as a voice. And I know that for many of you as well. Go to Psalms chapter 119, 89. If you feel to stand, you're more than welcome to. The scripture says this. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. He said, forever, O Lord, thy word 
is settled in heaven. I want to talk to you about forever settled. Because you're going to come to an understanding today that God's word is forever settled. It cannot change that what God has spoken will always be and it's never going to change or shift. What God has said must come to pass. When God sets something in motion, when God sets something onto the scene, that means it is forever settled. That means it is eternally settled. It cannot change. While you're still standing, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. It says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass. The grand, the ground you're standing on is going to pass before this book or this word will ever pass away. And lastly, Psalms 119, 160 says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. You may be seated. The Bible tells us that God's word, his principles are forever settled. They're never changing. It's very easy in our lives when we're looking at situations and family and circumstances that are always moving to then begin to feel that maybe the word of God is also moving. Maybe the word of God is not completely true. It was written by man. I I think man had his hand on it. So because the men and the people around me and the circumstances around me, because they change, maybe God changes. But he said that my word is forever settled. My word will never change. That when I speak something and I send it into motion, that means it's going to come to pass and you cannot stop it. Nothing, no spirit that's coming against you can stop it. No family member, no no other person that is coming against you in evil. When God speaks something, it's forever settled. You've got to make up your mind by faith that when God says something, his word from Genesis to Revelation, it is forever settled. The scripture also says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says that the grass withereth. That's the earth. The the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. We've got to get it in our mind that God's word is true. I wish some other people believe that in this place. God's word is true. And Matthew 24 35, which I said, it says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Look at the scripture says in Isaiah 46, 10, it says declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. Hmm. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. He said, I'm going to do impossible things. I'm going to do things that you can't even comprehend or understand. I'm going to even send a bird from over here. I'm going to send a man from over here. You don't have to worry about how it will happen. All you got to understand is that it will happen because my word is forever settled. Mm. My God, I feel faith. He says, yeah, I have spoken it and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will also do it. Isaiah 55, 10 says, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
He's saying just like that rain, that cycle that you see every day where the vapor comes up and the, and the water comes down, the rain comes down. He said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the very thing which I sent it to do. We've got to get it on our mind. When God speaks, it must happen. But God's trying to see while you're in the process of waiting it to happen, are you going to hold on? God's trying to see that while you're in the process of waiting for A plus B to equal C, God said he's going to do something. God said he's going to save that family member. God said he's going to bring that job to pass. God said he... But while we're in the moment waiting for the the vapor to catch up and begin to get into the heavens and for the rain to begin to come down, it's in that process we begin to wonder, does his word really endure? Does his word really, is it really true? It's in that prop, in that, in that process of your vapors, your prayers, because that's what that is. When you begin to pray to God, that's vapor going up to God. And that's all that vapor beginning to gather in the clouds. And then all of a sudden there's going to come a time where there can't be that much more vapor beginning to get off. It's getting full in the clouds. There comes a moment where the, the heavens have got to open. There comes a moment where the rain has got to start falling. But God's trying to see that while you're praying, while you're sending up vapor, are you going to keep sending it up? Or are you going to stop? Because it might be a few more prayers of vapor that God needs before he sends the rain. Oh, hallelujah. God says, I need a few more prayers. I need a little bit more vapor and then I'll send it. You just got to be patient. You got to wait on the process and there come a time where I'm going to send it on down. Oh, Jesus. He said, it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the very thing I sent it to do. But here's our problem. We send up vapor expecting the rain to equal the very thing we're expecting to send up. But you see, God doesn't really always answer our prayers the way we ask for them. Sometimes he answers them differently depending upon what's best for you. Sometimes while you're praying and expecting and sending up vapor, God's saying, I'm going to give you an answer. It's going to be a little bit different than what you expect. But understand that I'm a good father and that my word's forever settled and that I'm going to do whatever I will need to do to accomplish my perfect work and my will in your life. But you've got to believe that. The Bible says he's a good father. Every good gift comes from above. So when you begin to send up vapor, he's going to answer your prayer, but it might come a little bit different. It might rain a little bit differently than what you expect, but you've got to believe that and you've got to keep sending that vapor up. You keep sending it up and just trust that the rain that comes down will be the very thing that you need. My God, we wouldn't have any bread today if some rain didn't fall. We wouldn't be able to drink and stay alive and survive if some rain didn't fall. God is trying to tell you, I've got the very thing to keep you alive. Keep sending up vapor. Oh my God, he's saying send vapor, send prayer, and I'm going to rain it down. Maybe differently than what you expected, but I'll keep you alive. But I'm struggling. I'm going through it. I've got all hell coming against me. And God's saying, it's okay. Stay in the process. Because even in the hell, I'm bringing you some bread. I'm bringing you some water. Elijah was in the wilderness. He thought he was going to die. And God said, let me go go ahead and bring you some meat right here. Where there's nobody else around. 
It's in the process where we've got to have faith that God is in control. That if we will keep praying, we will keep seeking, we will keep having faith in the fact that what he said will come to pass. It's going to come to pass. I know there's some of you right now in the process of your prayers where you haven't seen the rain yet. But God is saying, keep sending the vapor up. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. There's some of you, you've been waiting, you've been praying, you've been hoping, you've been having faith. And right when you're about to shut off the vapor, God's saying, give me some more vapor. I'm about to send the rain. But you've got to believe and understand that whatever answer comes from God, it's exactly what you need. You see, you can only see your past. God can see your past and your future. So while you think you know what you need, God knows what you need because he created you. And he said, I did it from the end, from the end to the beginning. I see it all. I've declared all things. So what you think you need could actually be what you don't. God is saying, I know what you need. And you've got to trust the process because it's in the process of sending vapor up that I see how faithful he is. I see how much he loves me. I see how much he cares because it's in that process while he's forming my character. I'm so far out. This is not where I thought I was going, but somebody needs to hear this right now. It's in that process where God is trying to teach us, be faithful, keep walking, don't give up, keep sending vapor up, keep sending vapor up, keep sending vapor up. And God might start to stretch you a little bit. He might begin to stretch you a little bit, but that's where we go from faith to faith. It's in those processes of faith where because we got through this situation, he's now preparing us for the next situation. His word is forever settled. God can shake heaven and he can shake earth, but he will not shake his word. Let's let that sit in. God will shake heaven. He will shake earth. Let me make it a little bit more plain. He will take your circumstances and flip them on their head just so that he can make his word come to pass. But you see, this is the key here. While you think it's all bad and you think it's trying to kill you, you think it's trying to hurt you. God's saying, I'm actually trying to deliver you. I'm actually trying to save you. And I'm going to shake up your heaven. I'm going to shake up your earth. If I can just have my principles established in your life. I'm going to tell you right now, God spoke to me this morning when I was praying. And he began to speak to me about unfair and just. And this is what he told me. He said, life isn't fair, but I am. He said, life isn't just, but I am. He is just. You might say, but my life feels unfair. And God is saying, you don't understand it. It looks unfair and people are unfair, but I am always fair. I am always just. I bring to pass what I have spoken. But we've got to have faith in the fact that God is fair. God is just. He will do what I need. But here comes the process. In the time of the vapor going up, in the time of the vapor going up, we get frustrated. And we begin to try to do it our own way. I'm going to make it rain my own way. I'm going to go get the hose, and I'm going to go start spraying it on my own life. I'm going to make it happen. But that's not how God's process works. You can't manufacture rain in the kingdom of God. You can't manufacture what God can only give you. Only God can answer your prayers. Only God can bring to pass his word. You've got to trust. 
that he knows what he's doing. My God. We're out here. He might as well stay out here a little bit longer. I'm trying to help somebody to see. Just a few weeks ago, just a week ago, you said life is not fair. It's not fair. Look at that person. Look at that. Look. You know what God does? He goes, you're right. It's not. But I am. What do you mean you're fair? She gets blessings and she, and she does it and he gets this and, and they lived and they were healed and they died. What do you mean you're fair, God? And this is how God reveals his justness. He goes, let me take you to a scripture where somebody was in the same situation as you. And I'm going to show you how they overcame. Because it's not about comparing yourself to the people around you, but comparing yourself to the word of God, where he is divine, where he is true, where his word is forever settled. The people around you, that's not forever settled. The circumstances around you, that is not forever settled. But God is just. God is true. And he will take his word that he has spoken. And if you begin to get yourself in alignment with his word, God will show you how just he is. I'm dealing with an offense. I'm not happy with the way they treated me. I'm, it's not fair. And God goes, turn to Genesis chapter 43 through 50. There's a man named Joseph. I'm going to show you how just I am. Because when he endured the process of offense, I raised him up and proved my justness. But it was the process of the offense, the process of the hurt that aligned him with the place for my will to be done to prove my justness. What I'm saying is God takes his word and begins to compare and contrast. If his word is forever settled, that means the Bible is just a book of compare and contrast. Too busy. We're too busy comparing ourselves with each other. And God's saying, when are you going to compare yourself with my word? Because my words was forever settled. My words was going to change your life. My words was going to save your soul. God does it in the Bible with the characters themselves. He contrasts them. He takes one person that went through one situation and takes another and makes them go through the same thing. And there's two completely different outcomes. He's a God of contrast. Why? Because he's just. He weighs the scales. He proves he's just. He takes the word and shows you through the word. I'll give you an example. Abraham and the rich young ruler. You guys know about Abraham. God came to Abraham and he said, I want you to leave your father, your country, and your kindred. I want you to leave everything and follow me. He was rich and he was young. But he decided, he said, you know what? This is a difficult decision, but God is calling me. So I'm going to go on a journey with God. Genesis, or excuse me, uh, Genesis chapter 12. He went on a journey. And God spoke to him and said, do this. And then God began to give him the land. God began to give him visions. God gave him authority. God used him mightily. And now he's the father of all nations. But then in the scripture, then God came to Abraham in in Genesis 17 or something and said this. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I was looking at scripture the other day and I saw this. The rich young ruler in the New Testament comes to Jesus. And he says... Father, or Jesus, I have done everything you've told me to do. I have, I have given to the poor. I have prayed. I have followed you to the best of my ability. And Jesus looks at him and says, there's one thing you lack. If thou be perfect. He uses the same word. If thou be perfect. Sell everything you got and follow me. And the man walked away sad. And he could have walked away that day and been like, God is not fair. He asked me to do this. And God's going to go, 
tap him on the shoulder, go, do you remember a man named Abraham? Same situation, but he followed me and you did not. God is just. Some of you didn't catch it. Abraham and the rich young ruler, same situation. And God compares and contrasts both of them. And he does the same thing in our lives. He takes you and your situation, what you're going through, and he's got a story for you in the word. He's got a revelation for you in the word because it's forever settled. It will never change. He's got something for you in that word that will change your life if you have faith in it. But you also have a choice to stop throwing up the vapor, stop praying up the vapor and walk away and say, this is ridiculous. It takes too long. God takes characters in the Bible and contrasts them and shows us there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And there's a way when you can follow God, he is life and peace, life and life more abundantly. I'm trying to help you to see that when you look at the word of God the next time, when you're going through a situation, I'm going to encourage you to keep throwing up some vapor. Keep praying. Go and say, God, okay, I'm struggling with offense. I'm struggling with hatred. I'm struggling with somebody trying to hurt me. I'm struggling with people rejecting me. Go to David. Go to Daniel. Go to the word of God and watch how God will show you how to overcome because his word is forever settled. We, we as the people of God cannot continue to say, but life just isn't fair. Life isn't fair because humanity is here and humanity's always going to disappoint you. Humanity's always going to let you down. You're right. Life isn't fair, but I know a God who is fair, who is just and will bring to pass whatever his word has spoken. But it starts with us having faith in that word. He said, the word of the Lord endureth forever. The grass withereth. Why do we put so much faith in this world, in the things around us, in finances, in people? Why do we put so much faith in those people when they are not forever settled? But his word is forever settled. It is always enduring. I want you to Acts chapter 10. Mm, Jesus. I want to hear you say forever settled. It's forever settled in heaven. The next time I struggle, the next time I want to give up, the next time I think it's not worth it, I need to get out my Bible. I need to get on Google. I need to figure out where that story took place in the Bible and watch how those characters endured great heartache and endured pain and watch how they cried out to God and watch how they reached out to God and watch how God delivered them. The thing is, God is just, we might not get delivered on this earth from sicknesses and diseases and things, but there'll come a day if we have faith, we're going to be delivered into heaven. He will either deliver you now on this earth or he'll deliver you in heaven. But either way, if I put my faith in the word of God, then I know he's going to deliver me. Acts chapter 10, I want to show you something here. I want to show you how God, his word is forever settled. Acts chapter 10 verse 1 says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a Roman soldier. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house. And he prayed to God always. That sounds like a pretty nice man. But while he's praying, he sees in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming unto him and saying to him, Cornelius. 
And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said that unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up to, to me for a memorial before God or come up before a memorial before God. That word memorial in the Greek means reminder or memorandum. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what you ought to do. And when the angel which spoke unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them and waited on them continually. And when he had declared unto these things, he sent them to Joppa. Let's step back for a second. This man was devout. He loved God with all of his house. The Bible says he gave to the poor all the time. He did many great things. But God's word is forever settled. There was something he was missing. His word is forever settled. So while he's praying and seeking after God, an angel is sent forth to Cornelius. An angel comes forth and says, your alms, your prayers have become a memorial or a reminder before God. Vapor, 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 vapor. Prayers just kept going up. Prayers just kept going up. Prayers just come. And it was almost like God sitting at his desk. I know he didn't sit at a desk, but bear with me. He's sitting at his desk and just keeps coming by his desk. Cornelius, reminder. He's got his iPhone out. God's got his iPhone out and it just keeps binging, it keeps, it keeps pinging him. Notifications. Cornelius is calling. Cornelius is calling. Cornelius is calling. And God was just waiting. He's going, I'm going to wait a little bit right now. But man, this guy just keeps calling. He starts looking at his phone. He's got 15, 25, 30, 150 missed calls from Cornelius. And God's going, you know what? I should probably answer this. I said, when God saw that vapor kept coming up, there came a moment where God said, I've got to respond to what this man keeps calling me for. Why does he keep, hey, angel, I'm going to send you down to a man. I'm going to send you to a man named Cornelius. You've got to bring him a message. Kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. He keeps looking at his phone saying, I've got to take care of this. Maybe some things would be taken care of your life in a little bit differently if you keep pinging God, keep calling God, keep texting God, keep reaching out and saying, God, I need you to respond. I need you to move in this situation. Oh, God. Obviously, it took time because a memorial was built. A reminder was built. It kept coming before God. Cornelius did not give up in reaching for God. And watch this. Verse 9, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Peter's praying now. Remember, the angel told Cornelius, go to Peter. An angel comes to Cornelius and says, go to Peter. Now, while Peter is praying, he begins to become hungry. Anybody got a witness while you're praying? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to stop here for a second and tell you this. One of the most nastiest, demonic things, I'm being sarcastic. I was praying one day and I got hungry. And I said, I'm going to get myself some of my wife's banana bread because that stuff is. I get up and I go to walk towards my kitchen and there's a baby snake sitting there. I said, oh, demons in hell. <laughs> that was the worst experience of my life. Some of you, you could call me a baby all you want. I don't like snakes. But he was trying to roll up into my prayer, and I wasn't happy about that. 
I was not happy. I eventually got my banana bread, but I had to take care of this little buddy trying to mess with me while I'm praying. Amen. Anyway, any of you get hungry while you're, while you're praying? <laughs> I do. And when, when he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Maybe some of y'all should start praying before dinner. And he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending upon him. He's in a vision right now. And it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice in him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. This is still the vision. The voice spoke unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that shall know, thou shall not be common. This was done three times. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted in himself, anybody struggle with your visions and your prayers sometimes? You start to feel stuff. You start to see stuff. And you're going, I don't know what's going on here. Well, Peter, the apostle, the one that the church was built upon, that rock, he even doubted. So don't give up and be discouraged just because you doubt sometimes while you're praying. He said, now, while Peter doubted in himself, verse 17, what the vision should mean. Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek for thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he who you seek. What is the cause? Therefore, you should come. Watch what he says. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, the soldier, a just man and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee in the house and to hear the words of thee. The situation is. Cornelius is a just man. He prays all the time. He's getting a hold of God. He's got an amazing experience going on between him and God. He's got something going on. But God says there's something about him I like. I can feel. I can feel him reaching out to me. I'm getting a reminder constantly pinging me. I've got to respond to his need. But there's still some things he's missing. And so because my word is forever settled, because I cannot change, I'm going to send my angel to tell Cornelius that I've got a message for him. While I'm sending an angel to Cornelius to tell him that he's got a message from Peter, I'm going to give Peter a vision and tell Peter that he needs to go and preach the gospel to this young man. Watch this. Verse 34, Peter shows up at the house. Then Peter opened up his mouth. Verse 34, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation that he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all that word. I say, you know, that was published throughout all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John had preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses. I want you to hear that. We are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem 
whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him, God, raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto the witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he had rose from the dead. There were people that ate and drank with Jesus after he rose from the dead. Those were firsthand witnesses. Show me another God that ever took his life and laid it down and rose it back up and then started showing people. You won't find it. To him gave all the prophets witnesses that through his name, whoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sins. He is preaching to Cornelius. You've got to be forgiven of your sins. I just read recently that they believe there's around 60,000 plus people that were probably living about five years after Jesus had died and risen. About 60,000 plus people that saw his miracles. About 60,000 plus plus people that saw his miracles. And they also believe that around 60 AD, 60 years after his death and resurrection, there was at least 1,000 firsthand eyewitnesses still alive. Tell me the Bible's not true. They touched Jesus. They were with Jesus. Jesus spoke and quoted just about every book in the Bible in the Old Testament except Esther. I'm telling you, this word is true. It's forever settled. Around the time of the writing of the New Testament, 1,000 eyewitnesses still alive in 60 AD. Mm. But that's not what I'm here to show you. In verse 44, it says, While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that of also the Gentiles received the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed them to tarry certain days. What you've got to see here that is so powerful is that Cornelius loved God. Cornelius sought after God. And because God's word is forever settled, God said, I've got to get my word to this young man. Because while he's seeking after me, he doesn't understand this completely. And if you look a few scriptures earlier, when Peter showed up on the scene, Cornelius bowed down and worshipped him. He didn't really know the word. He didn't really understand who God really was. He was just hungry for him. And so God said, this man is so hungry that I've got reminders coming up, coming past my desk. I've got to respond and give him the forever settled word. So here's the revelation. God will move heaven and earth for his word to be established. But he will not move the word for your heaven and earth to be established and settled. What that means is that God will do anything he can. If you begin to have faith in him, you begin to reach for him. He will literally shake heaven and shake earth to deliver a message to you so you can walk in the deeper things of God. Because he sent an angel to one man and then he sends a vision to one man and then they come together. He preaches the message and the Holy Ghost falls and Cornelius gets baptized in all of his house. And there's no telling how God used him because God is saying my word does not change and I appreciate your 
hunger. I love your hunger, but you've got to respond to my word because my word is forever settled. What I have said, it's vaulted. It's put behind a vault. I cannot change it. Now I can change you to get to my word, but I will not change my word for you. So you've got to come to an understanding that if you have faith in God's word, God will move heaven and earth to get you the word. There's no telling what it took for you to get here this morning to even hear this message. Who knows what it took for you to get out of bed? Who knows what it took this week for somebody to run into you and somebody to talk to you? Who knows? But God knows how to move heaven and earth to give somebody his word. And God is speaking to the people right now. If you have not been baptized with the Holy Ghost are baptized by water. God moved heaven and earth. God moved circumstances and situations just to get you in the building so you could hear what was made available for you. God is saying, I'm glad you have faith. But my word says, except a man be born again of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 5, except a man, unless a man is born of water and spirit, we've got to receive the born again experience because Romans chapter 7 and 8 says we are born with uh, with a human nature that just, it begins to pull on us. It's trying to pull us the wrong direction. We've got to be born again with a new nature that then empowers us to live like God. Anybody in here frustrated and struggling with the fact that you feel like you've been reaching and seeking after God, but there's some things you can't change, some things you can't stop? Well, I'm not an angel, but I'm a messenger here to tell you, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because that's when God puts his nature inside of you. When he puts his nature, he empowers you. I am not who I used to be. I used to be broken. I used to be lost. And when God came down and put his new nature inside of me, he moved heaven and earth. He broke my back to tell me I've got something for you, but you've got to yield to it. I'll never forget running a, f- a route on the football field, cutting to catch the football. And it went, it cracked because God was saying, I, I want to change you, but I can't change my word. So I'm going to move heaven and earth. I'm going to let circumstances bring you to a place of brokenness so I can give you everything I've got for you. Because God is just. And God is trying to answer the very prayers you've been praying, the stuff you've been going through. God is sending a messenger to you right now saying you need to be baptized and filled with his spirit because that's when you get his new nature and things begin to shift in your life and you begin to change. There is nothing like when God begins to change me. I don't think the same way I used to think. I don't talk the same way I used to talk. I don't walk the same way I used to walk because when I said, God, I want your nature, I allowed heaven and earth to be moved to find that principle in that word. And God has done that for some of you and you didn't understand what he was doing. You didn't understand why he allowed certain things. You don't understand why he's allowed you to get in some trouble. Why he's allowed you to go through some family difficulty or dealing with some broken relationships or having a hard time even hurt by other churches. God is allowing things to take place so that his forever settled word can get into your heart and change you. My God. His forever settled word will change you. I'm going to ask you some questions. Are you dealing with offense? Because there's a man in the Bible named Joseph who went through some serious hell, but God began to raise him up. If you begin to look at that story, it will begin to help you. Are you dealing and frustrated with the wickedness around you? 
Obey God and see how he can save you from the storms around you just like he did for Noah. Are you dealing with idolatry all around you? The world is becoming more hostile towards Christianity by the day. But there were three Hebrew boys that did not bow to the world system. And God delivered them in the fire. God pulled them out and said, my hands upon them. If you're dealing with frustration of idolatry, it's in the word of God that God will deliver you. Are you frustrated with hopelessness? You might be like a Peter who's sick and tired of their monotonous day-to-day job. You're so sick of it. You're bored. You feel purposeless. Well, God maybe might come and say, drop your net and follow me. I've got a call of God on your life. I'm telling you, there are scriptures. The eternal word of God is true. And God is trying to show you. He'll do it for you too. Have you been feeling rejected lately? Are you like a person like David who feels like everybody hates them? Their families rejected them. People are against them. Well, if you will stay on the backside of the desert and keep seeking after God, maybe you'll slay a giant. Maybe you'll be raised to a king. Are you dealing with shame and sin like Adam over your past? God will come and cover you with his righteousness and his love which comes through baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you struggling with being persecuted? There was a woman in the Bible, a nasty queen named Jezebel, who kept trying to persecute the people of God. And Elijah got to a place of hopelessness where he said, I just want to die. Suicide today is more rampant than ever before. And I believe some of you felt like Elijah's at times where your situation is so difficult. You're so persecuted. You got so much stuff coming against you that you think to yourself, it'd be better off if I was dead. But in that moment, when Elijah was at his weakest point, the Spirit of the Lord came and spoke to him and said, I've got 7,000 others that have not bowed to Baal. Even while you're feeling like there's no one else who cares, God's saying, I've got others that care about me and that are seeking for me. What is it that is going on in your life that makes you think life isn't fair? Life isn't fair. People aren't fair. But I know a God that is fair and just. And when I put my faith in him, I obey his word. I get baptized in his name and fill with his spirit. I will begin to see just how just and fair he is. And that vapor I'm sending up, God's going to begin to rain it down. Jalen, you can come. God's going to begin to rain it down. I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm coming to close here because God has been tugging at some of your hearts and telling you, you've been frustrated. You didn't even know if this whole thing was true or if it was real. And God's saying, stop looking around you. Stop comparing to people around you. Stop comparing to other people in your city. Stop comparing to other family members and compare with my word. And when you put faith in my word, I will deliver you. Whether it's on this side or whether it's on the other side. If you put your faith in him, you obey his word, God will deliver you. His word is forever settled, Chris. Keep sending vapor up. Keep sending vapor. God will respond. And if he has to move heaven and earth to do it, he'll do it. You've got to trust the process. I feel the witness of the spirit in this place. If God has to shake your life up. If God has to break some stuff. If God has to take some things away. 
I want his forever settled word in my life. If God has to let me go through hell, if God has to take my finances, if God has to, at least it will put me in alignment with his forever settled word and he'll show me how much he cares, how much he loves me because his word being forever settled is more important than my comfort. His word acting in my life is more important than the comfort I'd prefer to have where life is easy because that can be shaken. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken. His word can never be shaken. His word is always true. Either he's a liar and he's not God or he's God and his word is fully true. There's no in-between. The world tries to make it seem like there's in-between, but that wouldn't make any sense because he's either God or he's not. The Bible's either true or it's not. There's no in-between. That doesn't make any sense. But I challenge you to put the word of God to test in your life. When you go home after the service, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, begin to Google and say, who went through this situation in the Bible? Find it and read it and allow God to speak to you and show you that you can get out of this situation. You can be delivered. God can help you. God can change it. He can move heaven and earth to do what he's got to do. Because heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle, one comma or apostrophe of his word will pass away. Jesus' name. God is speaking to some people. God is dealing with your heart about how you need to respond. And you put up some more vapor today. It might not happen at the end of the service, but you're putting more vapor in the bank because that rain's going to fall eventually. If you could just stand with every head bowed and eye closed. If you feel to grab your neighbor's hand, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to put this word into our spirit and make us whole. If you're dealing with a family situation, I have faith that God can move heaven and earth for that situation. If you feel comfortable coming to this altar, I'm telling you, the spirit of God, the vapor you send up, the step of faith you make, the vapor will come. But you've got to have faith and be patient and keep sending vapor up. Come on, Joseph, I know you've been hurt. Come on, David, I know you've been rejected. Come on, come to the altar and receive what God has for you. He'll move heaven and earth for you. Come on, Peter, I know you messed up, Peter. I know that you said no to the Lord and said that you didn't believe anymore and walked away and you're being eaten up with condemnation come on Peter but Jesus came right back and said Peter follow me again come on Abraham you've got a call on your life and the riches you've got the, the title you've got is not more important than the call of God let it go Come on, who's got a prodigal in their life? Who's got a kid that doesn't want anything to do with God? Come on, there was a father that waited day and night for the prodigal son to come home. There came a day where he came home. God moved heaven and earth. He ended up in a pig pen. He ended up in a pig pen, but he knew, I've got to get back to my father. Come on, the Spirit of God is here. God is speaking to some people. 
His word is forever settled. Heaven and earth will pass away before His word passes away. If you're not praying for yourself, pray for somebody else. His presence is here. Somebody needs to know that God is in control. I gotta keep sending up some vapor. baptized in Jesus name that might be the message you needed to hear if you were not baptized God is telling you you gotta get baptized and filled with the spirit that could be your answer you of some promises in the Bible. He's going to remind you of some stories to show you, to compare you to what's going on and say, just believe and have faith.